I read a song the other day. It said, in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips that solid rock. In the light of the shootings and the hatred and the malice and the lying and the covering up of everything in the world and everybody's crying we need to unify around what around who in times like these how are you going to make it in times like these it gets any worse how you going to handle in times like these? Good question, amen? It's a good song. Times like these, we need the Bible. Of course, we've kicked it out of school, kicked it out of our public places, and look what we got. In times like these, we need the Bible. In times like these, Oh, be not idle. Be very sure. Be very sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. That last stanza, in times like these, I have a Savior. Don't need a Savior. We have a Savior. In times like these, we have an anchor. Amen. Don't need one. We got one. In times like these, I am very sure, (laughs) very sure that my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. You know the verse. That rock is Jesus. He's the one. That rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure. Very sure that the anchor holds and grips that solid rock. No matter what comes across our TV stations, and no matter what the Harry Reasoners and the Williams say, I'm glad I'm built on the solid rock. Take your Bible, if you would please, today, and we'll turn and we'll look in Revelation chapter number 3, if you would please. The book of the Revelation, chapter number three. Just a little while this morning around the Word of God. It's uh, 11.30. I'll be done by 11.31. But we'll dismiss about 12. All right. It's good to see you today. I'm telling you, I'm glad that you're here. The Bible says, verse 14 of Revelation chapter number 3, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
And the Lord said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. If you're not cold or hot, that means you're cool. Cool. You know what's happened to the church? We become cool. Not cold. Not hot. We just cool, man. We cool with what's going on. We cool, we cool with what's not going on. We're cool with what we're doing. We're cool with, not, with what we're not doing. We're cool with missing three services a week or we're cool with missing one service a week or we're cool with just missing two services. We're just cool. We're so cool we've got icicles on our socks. I might need some help. I have no idea. You act like I'm going to get on you about something. I'm not going to get on you about anything. Man, we're just cool. We laid back. We got her made. As the farmers would say, we got it in the short rows. About ready to lay it by. Cool. Let's read on now because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You think maybe I could entitle this sermon, We're Cool, Man. We're just cool. We're cool with what's going on. And we're cool if it don't even go on at all. We're cool if a preacher has services. We're cool if he cuts out some of the services. We're just cool. Well, because you're cool, so then because thou art warm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me Gold tried in the fire, not fool's gold. Not the gold the world offers. Not fraudulent gold, but real gold tried in the fires of God. God giveth riches and addeth no sorrow to them. Pure gold. Tried in for that thou mightest be rich. And white raiment that thou mightest be clothed. And the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke. And chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Now, Father, today I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who has shown, proved, and manifested love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No doubt in our heart and mind and souls today that Christ loves us with an unending, uncompromising, unearned, unmerited kind of love. We call it grace. 
we thank you today for this church and for every member that's here and for those who are not able to be here today. Now speak, I pray, through thy servant today. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. To the church of the Laodiceans, and I thought it would behoove me to see a little bit about what was the demeanor and what was the condition of the city in which the church was built. The city of Laodicea. I'm sure all of you know everything about it. But I did not realize until recently that Laodicea was a very, very, very wealthy city. Founded by Antioch II and named after his wife, Laodice. And I think every good wife ought to have a city named after her. We're looking for Gingerville, USA. (laughs) The city was strategically located between three highways of trade. Thusly, it was a great commercial city. It was well known for, number one, its banking industry. It manufactured blue, black wool and also was a medical center by which they made eye ointment in that very city. And all of the wealth that came into the city because of its industry and because of its banking, they had began to build huge theaters and huge stadiums and lavish bathhouses and massage parlors, quote, unquote, I guess. And they began to build fabulous shopping centers. Does it sound familiar at all? With any place you might have heard of. The city was so very wealthy that when an earthquake almost completely destroyed the city, that the citizens refused help from the city of Rome to rebuild the city, but rebuilt the city more lavish than it ever was before out of their own pockets. It was a tremendous city. It was a great place to live. Offered wonderful opportunities, and if you were a real estate agent in that particular time, you'd have no trouble selling real estate in Laodicea. A great place to live with wonderful opportunities. Does that sound familiar at all? The church was most likely founded by the Apostle Paul. But the Christians in the city had fallen victim to their environment. They were Laodiceans first and Christians second. They had become involved with all the advancements that had taken place 
in the city. And may I suggest to you today that we're living in days when the cost of living, the cares of life, and the confusion in the land concerns us much more than does the church or the Bible or the Son of God. Today we are more concerned with Obamacare than we are with eternal care. Today we are concerned with black lives matter when all lives matter. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. We may have different color, but we have the same color of blood. Amen. Can you say amen? And it took the same amount of blood to redeem the white, the black, the yellow, the brown. And we are so in, we are so environmentally confused today, it is absolutely unreal. Today we think about Benghazi, we think about legal cover-ups in ISIS and terror, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Egypt. Have you given any thought to Jesus lately? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in Libya. Iran, Iraq, or Washington, thank God. Uh, We just, uh, Christ has taken the back seat, if you please, in the American home. May I say to you, Christians have become addicted to their telephone. Can you imagine going anywhere without your telephone? Can you imagine living one night without a 52-inch television, high D? No, that's HD. Uh, Christians in America have become absolutely addicted to the Internet. I like that commercial, that little girl at the foot of the bed. I love you, I love you, I love you. Please come back, Internet. Can you imagine what would happen to America 10 seconds without the internet? And we have absolutely been brainwashed, baptized, if you please, to the nth degree in the environment in which we live. Have we not? I just say, well, preacher, what in the world is going on in times like these? What's the problem? Look in America. It's not the color of your skin. It's the temperament of the heart. It's not what's on the outside. That's just a manifestation of the root that's deeply hewn into the ground, ladies and gentlemen. We are reaping what we have sown in America. We have sown to the flesh and we are beginning to reap of the flesh. We've sown to the wind and now we begin to reap the whirlwind. We don't understand it. It's God's fault. The radio commercial says that addiction, addiction is a brain disease. I agree. The lack thereof. Can you say amen? In times like these, we need a Savior. 
In times like these, we need an anchor. In times like these, we need to be sure that that anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. In times like these, we need a Bible, bless your heart. And if it'll work, any time it'll work in times like these. In 15 minutes or less, let me tell you what's wrong. What's wrong? What's, where are we? What in the world is happening? Oh, the terrible, terrible things that is happening. What is wrong? Let me tell you what is wrong. Number one, the country in which you live has become calloused. Calloused. Anytime a man can take a a, a rifle and shoot innocent people with no remorse, with no thought, no sorrow, and blame it on everybody else, this world has become calloused. The country in which you live in is calloused. Calloused to the gospel, calloused to the Bible, calloused to good, to purity, to honesty, to integrity. This world we live in has no longer any kind of standard, if you please. Lie about it. Get away with it. If it's profitable, lie about it. Not only is this world, this country has become calloused, the church has become cool, laid back, satisfied, happy with where we are. Preacher, don't preach too long, don't preach too loud, don't get excited, don't get fiery, it might melt the icicles in my heart. The church has become cool. Christians have become content. Happy where you are. Well, I got 50 by 50, two-car garage, and my water's not turned off. I'm happy. Everybody else can go to hell if they want to, but me and my crowd, we got her made. We are happy. We're not going to bring anybody to church. We're not going to embarrass ourselves talking about the Savior of the world, uh, we're just going to be cool, laid back, and content. Now that's just the outline. I haven't started preaching yet. But I got great news for you. The Savior is concerned. Aren't you glad of that? Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. The Savior is concerned about our callousness, about our hardness, about our unconcernedness. Take your Bible, if you would, please, unless you look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 1, over in the Old Testament, Isaiah Chapter number one, the country is calloused, calloused with sin. Oh, let me tell you something. Everybody wants me to preach about heaven. They really do. They like to hear me preach about heaven, but they sure don't like me to preach about hell. 
Notice, if you would please, Isaiah chapter 1. What is wrong with this world? Did you know that our president said America is not divided as some suggest? Now, how do I know that? Because I just read it. Our country is not divided as some would suggest. They're not divided politically. When the Democrats is breaking the rules in the Senate, sitting in the middle of the floor, eating her McDonald's hamburgers, we are so unified. Politically, there's no such thing in America as conservative, liberals, and progressives. And nothings. There's no such thing as division in the political parties. The why the Republican Party? It looks like a, a family reunion every time you turn on the television. Well, there's no division between Democrats and Republicans. Lord, no. Thank God for the unity we have politically in America. Our all-seeing president already straightened that out for us. Hawaii. Just thought you'd ask. I'm glad there's no divisions religiously in America. Christians and Muslims believe the same thing. There's no division religiously. And God knows there's no divisions morally. There's no such thing as pro-life, abortion, straight, gay, marriage. There's no divisions in America. Thank God we're all unified on the same boat going the same direction. Somehow or another, I'm missing all of this. Well, at least there's no divide socially. We all agree that the environment is the biggest threat to our safety in America. We all agree that ISIS is still the JV, not the 18. We all agree that racism is better over the last eight years. That no one has said anything about gun legislation or the Second Amendment. We all agree. Thank God we all agree legislative. Thank God we all agree judicially there's no division in the Supreme Court. All of them believe the same thing. The only branch of government, I know it's not divided. It's the executive branch. And it's retarded. <laughs> America is a mess. Isaiah 1 
In verse 4, ah, sinful nation. See if there's a parallel at all with Judah and America. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Could I ask you, is there any possibility that God could be upset with America? If he is, you ain't seen nothing yet. The Bible says they have provoked the Lord, Holy One of Israel, to anger. They are gone away backward. Then he says, Why should I stricken? Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye revoke more and more. The head is sick. That's the king. The head is sick. The nation. The head is sick. I'm not saying it's anybody sick in Washington. I'm just saying that God said the head of the nation of Judah was sick. It started at the head. And the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the heart, to the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and Benghazis and liberals and Libya and Iran and Iraq and on and on and on. We're sick in America. Calloused. Calloused. Jeremiah chapter number 2 says this, and it's so good. It says, is a nation, has a nation changed their gods? Which are yet no gods. But my people, God said, have changed their gods. And changed the glory of that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. Watch this. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the fountain of the living waters and hewed them out cisterns that would hold no water. Listen to this. Jeremiah 6. And oh, it's so pertinent for the hour. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not all. They were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. We are living in a sin calloused country. 
We are living in a country that's content with self. Principle no longer is important. Truth is trampled underfoot. Today, motivated by dishonesty and notoriety and fortune and fame, we are living in a country that is absolutely, totally calloused because of sin and eat up with self. You say, what's wrong? Sin and self. Not only is our country calloused, our church has become plum cool. Revelation 3, verse 16, I would that you is either hot or cold, but because you're neither hot or cold, Jesus said, you make me sick. Lukewarm. Nothing tastes any worse than lukewarm milk, unless it's lukewarm coffee. The only way you could make it be worse is mix lukewarm milk with a lukewarm coffee and you got double yuck. And God says to the church at Laodicea that it had become so entranced with the world and the world had become so entrenched in the, world, in the church and oh yes, it had beautiful buildings and oh yes, it had plenty in the banking account. And oh yes, the investments was great. And oh yes, everything was fine. They said, we don't need anything. Have need of nothing. Comfortable. Had conformed. Need nothing. But as I travel and preach in churches all over the country, I preached... Thursday night, I preached Wednesday night, I preached Thursday night down in Waco. And I preached in that church, and I don't know why they run me out. I have no idea why they had a sign on the gate when I left. You're not welcome here anymore. I preached on, don't somebody need to go to work? Don't somebody need to go to work? The church of today, the spirit is sorrowed. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the spirit of God by which we are sealed. Bickering and anger, racism, Democrats, Republicans, progressives, arguing, bickering, all you watch on television. Dear God, I just get so much joy out of watching Randolph Scott. At least he shoots them off the horse. He don't talk them off. Bang! (laughs) At least they don't get together and have a pity party and talk about how bad things are. They just, pow, bushwhack them right off the horse. The spirit in our churches are sorrowed. The saints are slacking. 
The sermons are stagnated. The services are simmering, just simmering, not wanting to get loose, not wanting to get hot, not wanting to get on fire, not wanting revival. It'll cost too much. We're just sitting around sorrowing, slacking, stagnating, and simmering. You know what Jesus said? Listen to what Jesus said. He said, if you want to walk on the water, come. He said, if you want to catch fish, launch out into the deep. Jesus said, if you want to shine in the firmament forever, you must, therefore, turn many to righteousness and become a soul winner. You know what he said? He said, if you want to be saved, come unto me, all that labor and heavy laden. And what do we do? We just sit there and look like, what did he say? What did he say? Don't mess with us, preacher. We're cool. We cool, man. Can you imagine what would happen if the Spirit of God had freedom in this place? Can you imagine what would happen today if the saints of God became fruitful? If the summons became fiery and the services were fervent? What in the world would happen in this place if somebody went home and said, Woo! We've been to church. Instead, preacher, you know what time it is. Preacher, don't forget now, you're getting old. You need to take it easy. Don't get excited. The Christian is content, verse 17. We have need of nothing. A sad day when Christians are content in their sins. Sad day when Christians are content with just sitting. Sad day when Christians are content with their service, which is nothing. Sad day when they're living, and we get content with living in sorrow. When the Bible says that we could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible said if we have life, have the Son, we have life, and have it what? More abundant. But of course, we're just cool. We don't want anything to make us act really strange. We don't want to have anything to make us come back tonight. And God knows we certainly don't need Wednesday night. We're cool. Content. You say, I know what's wrong with our country. Jesse Jackson. Al Sharpton. I know what's wrong with our country. Why don't you go look in the mirror? You're a cool Christian. You're content with where you are. You don't need any more. Your gauge says full. So miserable. Feel the sorrow. Feeling sorry for yourself. Thank God Jesus counted all joy when he hung on the cross for you and I. Amen. Amen. You, you want to know what's wrong with the country? We're what's wrong with the country. 
Christian education costs too much. Let's put them in humanistic holes they call the independent school district. Let's just put them in there and let them make humanists out of them. Socialists and communists. Let's just do that and then we'll complain about our president 25 years from now even though we educated him. Calloused. Cool. Content. And I, I got to close. You say you better, I'm leaving. I am so glad to tell you today that Christ is concerned. Notice verse 18. I'm closing. Verse 18, the Bible says, Preacher, you need to be better now. Be better. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire that thou mayest be rich. Rich. Spiritually rich. Eternally rich. Riches that addeth no sorrow. Gold that is pure. Tried in the fires of God. Honest wealth. Pure wealth. Good wealth, lasting wealth, eternal wealth, wealth that laid in the streets of gold right down this hallelujah boulevard. Can you say amen? Say it even if you don't mean it. It helped me a little bit. Yeah. And white raiment... White raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of their nakedness do not appear. Raiment. And the saints were dressed in the righteousness of Christ. The robes, the white robes are the righteousness of Christ. When you get to heaven, bless God, you'll be getting there through his righteousness and not your righteousness and your sins will never be shown. Your sins will never come up. They're hid, bless your heart, in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get it, get you some real gold, some real wealth that'll last forever. Say, preacher, you're not very rich. No, but I have sent a lot ahead. And if I got to buy my light bill in heaven, I'll not be over at your house asking if I can borrow your lamp. Glory to God. Wouldn't it be nice if I had a heart attack while I was preaching? Well, I'm about to have one. I'm glad the Savior's concerned, aren't you? I'm glad he loves us, man. I'm glad he did. Why, why, watch what he says. Hey, he says in verse number 17, he says, no, verse 18, somewhere, anywhere. Anybody have a suggestion? An anointing. Thine eyes. With what? Now, wonderful folk at Laodicea could identify with Isaiah. Since it was a medical center that manufactured eye ointment. He said, You folks are getting rich selling Isaiah. And you're blind as a bat. 
you need to get my kind of eyesight. You need my kind of wealth. You need my kind of righteousness. Oh yes, he cares. The church had sunken deeply into the environmental of trashology there in Laodicea, but Jesus said, I love you even though you've dipped to the bottom of the barrel. I love you even though you're trashy. I love you even though you're worldly. I love you even though you're materialistically minded. I love you. I love you. Here's my solution to it. Behold, I stand outside the church knocking on the door. Realizing that you are calloused, content, and unconcerned, I'm knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If God be true, he's knocking on your heart right now. You're saying, get away from me. Don't mess with me. Behold, our Savior stands at the door and knocks. He's wanting to give you gold tried in the eternal fires of God. Spiritual wealth that you know nothing about. He's wanting to clothe us in his righteousness. He's wanting to put ice in that we may see spiritual things. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if any man will open, I will come into him. Sup with him and he with me. To God be the glory. Even though our world is calloused. Our church has become cool. And we Christians have become content. Thank God Jesus is concerned and offers a solution for all of our needs. We don't need a different president. We need a God who is Lord of our nation. Hmm? We don't need another constitution. We just need the gospel preached without any mixture of conformity or, or just anything. We just, the greatest pill for the world's greatest ill is still the gospel.